And that's one big thing that I think about when Lucy has her soccer practices even. I want to be there for that. And could I have done it with my traveling sales job? I couldn't. Like I was missing things left and right and they were only you know, one years old, three years old at the time when I started to go part-time and then leave. But that is a really, really big part of this life that I think about when it comes to mom guilt and working mom guilt specifically. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we are going to tackle the topic of mom guilt. If you have been around for a long time, we talked about this way back on episode 12. And I did want to make a mention of it because what we're going to say today is us being two years further down the road. So in episode 12, mom guilt was much more of a struggle for me than it is today. If you go back and listen, you'll hear me shedding tears. It was something that was very heavy on me, even though at that point I had worked on it. So now we're two more years down the road. And in all of motherhood, we find that you're on a journey. And so you might be closer to we were in episode 12, or you might be ready to take the next steps that we're going to talk about today. Abby and I realize that mom guilt shows up differently for all of us. So right off the bat, I'm just wondering, how does it show up the biggest for you? Yeah, it's a powerful question right from the start. And thinking back to that episode 12, Amy, you had just left Cole for the very first time. So the very first time leaving your third child, you'd already done that in the past. And even thinking back, I mean, that was two years ago now, both of our lives have changed. We've had a pandemic in there. I have had job changes, add another kid in there. I'm no longer traveling for my job. So the things that would like sometimes give me mom guilt in that episode are just different right now. But one thing that has always remained the same in all my motherhood journey is the presence with my kids. So from the outside with time or, you know, what you're doing with your children, like some of the things are like, oh, I don't spend enough time with my kids because I'm a working mom or I don't spend enough time going to fun things with them because that's just not how our life is set up. Mine's always being with them and actually being with them. Especially right now, I feel depleted a lot at Mm -hmm. night. And my go-to move is going to the other room and just like taking some deep breaths, which is a great skill to have, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to leave the room instead of shouting, instead of screaming, instead of doing something else. It's a great skill to have, but I find myself doing it too often. Or when I do it, I think that I'm doing it too often. From an outsider, they might be like, no, Abby, that's cool. You're taking some time away. But for me, I'm like, ah, am I doing too much of this? Am I missing out on these little moments because I'm feeling depleted? I'm feeling under-resourced. How often do you do it? It's at least five nights a week that I'll take like a break away. Like how long? 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Right here. I feel like I could solve this for you because that does not seem like a big deal at all. That's what's really interesting about guilt and shame. And we've talked about this before is that 
it thrives on secrecy and yes. it thrives on youth thinking about it and overthinking it. So Abby, yes, she shared that with me before, but it's the first time she's kind of saying it out loud. And these are the exact yeah, the and to other people, you're like, wow, that really doesn't sound like a big deal. But because you usually keep it private, mm-hmm. it like manifests and it feels bigger than it actually is. Oh, isn't that so the truth? And you know, that's not to downplay your guilt. It's just to say, I think you're being really hard on yourself. Yeah. And I think with guilt in general, we're really hard on ourselves. Right. Somebody else can look at your situation. So think about it as a listener. What is the hardest thing in your mom guilt journey right now? Like we're on the microphones right now talking about our secrets right now, things that I haven't even gone into detail with Amy about. And it can just feel so heavy. And every time I retreat to the other room, I'm like, oh, I'm doing it again. I need to do this again. I need to escape again. And then Amy coming down here and being like, that's actually not that bad. It does feel pretty good. But what about for you, Amy? Like, where does it show up? Well, I've shared this before, but my main thing is it's kind of two parts. So when I lose my cool and I yell at my kids, but in a way that's like out of alignment. So I've told Abby, I'm like, I don't say I'm a gentle parent. I'm like, I'm not all in. I have three boys. They get really rambunctious. Sometimes when I raise my voice to keep them safe, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah, It's just that's how sometimes they need to be talked to. Everyone's different. That's my truth. I know it's true in our house. I've been at your house. (laughs) Sometimes they need to be wrangled a little bit. They need to be firmly talked to. And that's just how it is. But when I yell at them and it's out of alignment, like because it's like a snap because I'm overwhelmed. So, you know, I've had a really long day and then I act out of alignment with myself. That's when I feel guilty. And I think that's very fair. And then the other thing I think about now, which it's going to sound weird. I don't know if anyone else thinks the way I do, but I'm like, okay, Max is to an age now where in Trey where they're going to remember this now. So like, if I really raise my voice, I'm like, it feels higher stakes now that the kids are even Mm -hmm. older, which when they were younger, I didn't really have the yelling problem quite as much because it's almost like Cole is three, right? So I understand that he's totally still going to you know, throw a big tantrum. He's going to lay down on the middle of the baseball field. He's going to do things because he's three years old. Of course, is six still young? Yes. Do Max and Trey sometimes do things that they know is wrong and they shouldn't do it? And it just irritates you more as a parent? Yes. Totally understand their prefrontal cortex is still developing all that stuff. But for a lot of us that have school agers, you probably understand that like your patience with the big things is not always what it was when they were smaller. Yes. So anyways, now that I feel like they're going to remember my parenting, I'm like, okay, I feel bad that I really lost it on them. It's first of all yelling, but then it's them knowing that you yell yeah, and remembering like I don't want it in the their, future. I don't want their memory of their childhood to be like, okay, mom really <laughs> lost it on me. And then I coach myself though, just like I just did mm-hmm. to Abby. I'm like, Amy, 95% of the time, you are a very calm, level-headed yes. parent. Yes. So 5% of the time, will they remember that? Probably yes. I have to realize that the goal of parenting is not to be perfect. And if it weren't that, it would be something else. So 
anyone listening, we all have our things. I think you get into a sticky situation if A, your goal of parenting is to be perfect because no one's perfect. B, if you're always looking at what other parents are doing wrong and you're not having the self-reflection to say, okay, where do I want to improve? Where can I also give myself grace to understand that no one can do this perfectly. And no one can. And I'm glad that we're on the microphones here today. But also, in general, the imperfect parenting is becoming more the norm. People talk about losing their cool and then being able to repair. We've had experts on talking about that. And even, Amy, in your situation, like 95% of the time, you're calm. 4% of the time, they probably needed to be yelled at. Like they're, they're probably jumping from somewhere really high and something you know could have actually gotten hurt. And the 1% is the time that we can repair and we yeah. can learn from it. And as growing human beings, they can also learn that, hey, mom knows how to repair. We can have our mistakes. Yes. And I will say I'm very good at repair. So I'll say, Trey, I am so sorry. I lost my cool. I should not have done that. And like we've said on the podcast before, it's not you rationalizing it by their behavior. Because like I said, I do understand that Max and Trey are still learning. We all are. I always say adults. I'm around a lot of adults that need more self-reflection and the ability to repair. So it's like, I totally understand they're still learning. I need to say sorry when I act out of alignment, period. So Abby and I, this is where we are today. A big thing that our community really struggles with is taking time away from their family. And if you go back to episode 12, I was bawling about leaving Cole for the first time. At the time, I think Cole was like six or eight months. I know I was still breastfeeding him. So that's the thing. It's like when you're leaving a baby for the first time and it's an overnight stay, is there going to be those tears and that missing of them and you feeling guilty? Of course. I don't think a lot of women can do it without. Like you both are learning and getting used to being apart, you know? So that is a journey. I couldn't go through that without going through it. So now today, do I struggle to leave my kids as much as I did during that episode? No. And Abby and I were talking about this. We're recording right before we take a weekend away from our kids. We're going with both of our husbands. We're going to Kohler, Wisconsin. We're going to have a good time. When I am there, am I going to feel guilty for leaving my kids? No. And I have had years of feeling guilty for Mm -hmm. leaving my kids. Mm -hmm. So if you're still on that journey of understanding how to talk to yourself, how to work through it, how to work your kids through it, we've totally been there. And now that we're further, we want to look back and give some of our best advice. So for me, I always would tell myself, Amy, you would never leave your kids with someone you didn't absolutely trust. And so Drew's parents often, thankfully, and very lucky for us, they watch our kids for any overnight trip we go on. This is something that our children look forward to. My mother-in-law tells me it's her favorite part of her life. (laughs) Drew and I leave, and so they get the boys. They get the full experience, and they enjoy that. And like I said, we're very lucky that that's our truth, and that's their truth, and they keep coming back for more. But it's a beautiful thing to think about other people loving your kids. And you're never going to be replaced by that person. It's just a different special relationship. So after Drew and I have had a lot of practice 
at this, we can see that, okay, we go, we get to focus on our relationship. We get to focus on having a very firm foundation for our family. And the boys and their grandparents also get to have these very special bonds. It's like everyone wins. Yeah. Even just thinking back to the trips that you guys have taken, the ones we've taken together and the ones that we have taken just as a family ourselves coming back when they're, when they talk about, you know, Oh, when I went with grandma to this and some of the things I have no desire to do, like some of the things grandma and our kids can do. And I'm like, good thing that they have somebody else to take them on these experiences because they loved it, but it just might not be something that is your cup of tea. What about when the first couple of times when you are feeling that mom guilt though, and it's starting to creep up and you're like, should I even go? Think back, Amy, to those times. What did you tell yourself in those moments? Well, I always knew why I was doing it. So like Drew and I really do feel like our marriage is foundational to our family. And so I would tell myself, Amy, you know that this is really important to you. It's not like marriage versus mothering to me. And we talked about this in the Molly Millwood episode. It's like, how do these things complement each other so well? So like me feeling like myself as a person helps my marriage. My marriage, Drew and I's partnership helps us parent together better. So like you kind of see the trickle down effect really early on. Like Drew and I saw how well connected we can be when we don't have three rambunctious little boys running our lives. So Early on, we could just feel how different we were when we were like together like that, and then we could come home. So a lot of the time when I was gone in the beginning, I would just really try to center myself. And you guys know my favorite saying on earth is be where your feet are. So I would really try to be present with Drew. I shared this. We went to Sedona for our anniversary a couple months ago, and I shared we actually don't FaceTime our kids. This is one of those things where you figure out what's best for your family. I'm not saying that everyone should do this. I'm just saying in our experience, when we FaceTime, they don't understand. You know what I mean? Like now that they're a little bit older, they probably could, but it would just make them miss us more than be helpful. It was really a disruption to my mother-in-law and father-in-law's flow of the night, whatever they were doing. So we actually found for both sides, it was just healthier when we were away, we were away. We send photos to them so they get to see mom and dad, you know, in the Grand Canyon and we get to see whatever they're doing at home. So like there is connection points, but there's not that disruption of like, okay, they're having a lot of fun and now they miss mom again. Well, they get into a rhythm. Like when you leave, they get into a rhythm. And if you disrupt that rhythm, also with this, don't start off with a trip to Sedona. Like don't start off with a three-day trip to Kohler, Wisconsin. If you're just starting off, Go to an afternoon date, like just do something outside of the house for two hours while somebody who you love watches your kids spend then a night away and then two nights away. So it doesn't have to be something that you rush into right away with this big excursion, trying to celebrate something big. It can be something really, really small to start off. Right. And I would go prepared with what you are going to say to yourself. Yeah. What coaching do you need to be able to do to yourself? Just that recenter while you're there. Like, what would you say to yourself? So it's good to know why you're doing it. Yeah. But when I'm there, I also pick up on the things that I love about what I'm doing here that I couldn't be doing when I'm back at home. So if it's, I'm getting the massage right now, like I'm getting this massage, I couldn't do it if I was with my kids at home. I'm getting this opportunity because I'm away from my children. And at the same time, being like, my children are getting this awesome opportunity to go to the petting zoo, which 
I don't like petting zoos, you guys. Okay. So that's our kids are doing that today. <laughs> They're doing it today. And I'm like, thank goodness that daycare is taking them to the petting zoo because that's just not a place that I like to go. So it's just giving them opportunities, giving yourself the opportunity that I really like to focus in on. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. As you guys know by now, Abby and I both love therapy. Over the years of our partnership with BetterHelp, we've both used it in different ways. We've gone as individuals. We've gone as couples. Abby has gone with her son. Therapy meets you where you are. So you're going to need it in different seasons and for different reasons. And we have definitely experienced that. The nice thing about BetterHelp is that you can do it anywhere that you are. So we both love the video feature so that you can see your therapist and work with them and they can see you, they can see your expressions, they can be with you. But you can also chat with them, do a phone call, whatever would feel the most comfortable with you is how you can start. So you can join the over 2 million people that use BetterHelp by going to BetterHelp, that's better, H-E-L-P dot com backslash herself for 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com backslash herself for 10% off your first month. Okay, a part of guilt that we also wanted to bring up today was where we get stuck in comparing. So earlier on in my motherhood journey, and I've talked about this a lot on herself, is that working mom guilt. And if you are comparing yourself to a stay-at-home mom, vice versa, I know comparison works both ways. So did you have any guilt when you compared yourself to stay-at-home mom friends? Because obviously we understand they do have more time with their children. Yes. So in my experience, the time isn't the component. Like I said at the beginning, the time isn't the component that I focus in on. It's the quality of time. It's like being with them that I really focus in on. However, the part that does come up for me is if I'm having a really hard night with our kids and it's two hours of it being really hard, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't complain because somebody else, a stay-at-home mom, for instance, could have had 10 hours with their kids where it's nonstop. Or if Colin's traveling, Colin travels quite a bit. So I'm home with the kids for three hours every single night, multiple days in a row. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot do this third night. I cannot do this third night. That's when I always snap. And then in my mind, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't complain because somebody else who's in this situation, a military spouse, for instance, or somebody who has a partner who travels long haul all the time, they have it so much worse. But then I coach myself. I'm like, you know what, Abby? This is hard right now for me because it's hard for me. Everyone's capacity looks different. Everyone's lifestyle looks different. Everyone's priorities look different in this. So that's the piece that comes up for me. Yeah, that's really interesting because I just think that sometimes when we compare, it really is apples to oranges. Mm. It's like it doesn't even make sense to compare because a stay-at-home mom friend of mine might have a really hard time with my schedule and the things that are demanded of me. It almost doesn't make sense to me to even compare because the situations are just really different. So I'm not hard on myself thinking, oh, you know, another mom's been with her kids 24 seven. To me, that doesn't resonate, but I understand that it doesn't help for sure. (laughs) And a lot of therapists have come on and they're like the suffering Olympics. Mm -hmm. No one wins. You don't always constantly have to meet your own suffering or your own hard time with, but Abby has it so much worse because Colin travels. It doesn't actually help you in that moment. Rather, get compassionate for yourself, get curious. 
what could I do on this third night that would really help me when Colin's gone? Because I know Abby has said that to me one million times that mm-hmm. the third night mm-hmm. is her trigger. The third night's mm-hmm. the hardest. Like, okay, get curious. What could I do to make this a little bit easier? Because I know that that's my capacity. For me, like I said, the stay-at-home mom comparison to me doesn't really come up just because I just think it's so different. I think it's just comparing two different things. And it's an area that I've grown in because when Max was a baby, was there a moment where I was like, do I want to be a stay-at-home mom? Yes. I said, Drew, do you make enough? Could we live off of your salary? I was a first-time mom. My baby's 10 weeks old. I have like all of these hormones pumping through me. Like You just feel so attached to the baby and it's so hard to think rationally or like, what are your long-term goals? Everyone's going to have a different decision of what that looks like. For me, that wasn't the decision that I wanted to make. So I definitely went through that comparison of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be at work so much is Max going to know I'm his mom? I've talked about all that before. Like my working mom guilt has been a bear to work through. I would say that's the area where I have had the longest journey working through that. Now I'm to a place where I'm like, I love to work. I love to work. I've got no guilt about it. My family is doing awesome. But that has been such a journey. I'm six years in. Let's take a break from our podcast sponsor, which is Third Love. We know many of you fell in love with Third Love because of their bras. For instance, their 24-7 classic t-shirt bra has been a fan favorite for the Herself listeners. The straps never slip, the thin memory foam cups, they give your boobs that everyday comfort and support, and it's smoothing. It almost looks invisible no matter what you're wearing. But Amy and I have recently fallen in love with their loungewear. We both have a set and they are so comfy, so cozy, and they look great wash after wash. We love that Third Love does comfort so that you can do you. The bras, the underwear, the activewear, and the loungewear are made by women for women so that you can fit, feel, and look great. Everything in their line are designed to really hug better. They hold stronger and they support longer than other brands out there. The Third Love seriously obsesses over every stitch so that you can feel comfortable and confident 24-7. If you have not taken the fitting room quiz yet, we strongly recommend you do. I had no idea, but did you know that women on average change their bra size six times in their lifetime? And if you're pregnant or nursing, it might be even more. So if you're one of the 80% of women that's wearing the wrong bra size, making sure to take that fitting room quiz should be the first thing on your to-do list following this podcast. If you head to thirdlove.com, slash herself, you can also get 20% off your entire order. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash herself for 20% off. We can't wait to see what you buy. And now back to our show. So one question that people ask is, was the way that you were raised, does that impact you? So Abby's mom was a working mom. Mm -hmm. So talk about, did that impact your motherhood and what you were going to do? Yeah, entirely. And did I have that 12-week, oh my gosh, I want to stay home with Lucy? Yes, I also had that, but it was quickly surpassed with the fact that I love to work and I love to work even then. I love the feeling of working. I loved my coworkers at that time. At that time, I loved to travel. A lot of things were at that time. I know. (laughs) You were (laughs) like Abby told them. 
after her first baby, she wanted to come back at six weeks. Yes. Until she actually had her baby. Yes. <laughs> so she was like, I would say you were so attached to that. Like, I can do this all. I can be an awesome mom. I can still be this awesome saleswoman. Like, I think that that was... It was part of my identity. Yeah. I thought that becoming a mom was just going to add on to the identity. So I was going to be a working mom, working, working, working first and foremost, and then like have this other title with this cute little baby by my side type of a deal. And then Lucy came. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. This is a little bit different. Things change, you know, things Mm -hmm. change. And we're allowed to have things change. We're allowed to have things change. You can say one thing and then feel something totally different in another season. And that's okay. We can change our minds. A thousand percent. I think that the women put so much pressure on themselves. We've had community members. They became a stay-at-home mom and now they want to go back to work or vice versa. And to me, it's like, that might make sense. Mm -hmm. What is your season? What are you really feeling pulled to? If you happen to leave the workforce and you want to come back, like people feel embarrassed or they feel bad reaching out to their old job. It's like, why is that such a thing? We're going to change our minds as humans and full permission to change your mind. Uh, Isn't that so the truth? And this life is so fluid that staying stuck in one thing just because you said it two years ago do not let that be your excuse to stay stuck where you are. But I was always planning to be a working mom. And my mom worked, everyone in my family worked, my grandma even worked, which wasn't really part of that generation at all. So that just wasn't even a thought in my mind. However, my mom, and I remember this so specifically, both my parents would miss a lot of my track meets. Mm -hmm. They would miss my gymnastics meets. They wouldn't be there until the way, way end. And they would only come if it was local because they all worked until 5 or 5.30. And they couldn't get off for the afternoon unless it was a really big deal. So if my mom came to a track meet of mine and it was a 3.30 track meet and she was actually there, it was the biggest thing in the world because that only happened once or twice, maybe an entire season. But I remember that. Like I remember that as a fifth grader. I remember that in middle school. I remember that my senior year when I was going to state track and they weren't there for that meet. I remember that. And not that I'm blaming them for anything because they were doing the best that they could in their situation. But I do want that change for my kids. And that's one big thing that I think about when Lucy has her soccer practices even. I want to be there for that. And could I have done it with my traveling sales job? I couldn't. Like I was missing things left and right and they were only you know, one years old, three years old at the time when I started to go part-time and then leave. But that is a really, really big part of this life that I think about when it comes to mom guilt and working mom guilt specifically. Mm. My mom stayed home for a lot of our childhood. And so did a lot of my friends' moms. So that was kind of the example I had, except for my best friend's mom. She was a working mom. She had a corporate job. She had a phenomenal career. And she showed up for her son and daughter in such big ways. She was always at our basketball game. She was always at our track meets. She was always like, we had so much fun with her on the weekend, went to the Dells in the summer, all these things. So I really saw how it could work. And my best friend is so close to her mom that even when I was getting older, I remember one time her and her boyfriend broke up and she called her mom before she called me. And I was like, wow, that is really different. Like you are really close to your mom. So then when I was becoming a working mom, like I had that example in my mind that I would think, okay, remember how loved Michelle and JJ feel? Remember how their mom showed up to everything. Like, remember that that is a possibility. Also, my parents came to everything. So like, 
I felt so supported when I was growing up. My dad was a working dad. My mom stayed home a lot of the time. She helped my dad with his business. So she definitely had her fair share of responsibilities, but he always came. And so I feel like just seeing that that was possible really helped me. The conversation gets really interesting. I know when I read Tiffany Dufu's book, Drop the Ball, here's what the statistics say is 90% of couples need both incomes. Okay. So it's a really interesting Mm -hmm. like conversation to even act like this is a choice for everyone because it's not. And then also what is everyone's goals? Abby and I were just on a walk and I was like, honestly, I was so driven to have a different lifestyle than my parents were able to have. We were short on money a lot of the time growing up. And I was like, I just don't want to have that. I want to be able to make my own decisions. Like Drew and I, as you guys know, our finances are totally tied in with each other. But there was something for me about knowing that I could support myself and my family that has been really important to me. And that's because of the way that I was raised. So sometimes when we're looking at other moms, we have to realize the way we were brought up really impacts us. And so they might be making a different decision than you would make, but could we lower the judgment understanding that we've all had different life experiences? We all have different financial situations. We all have different callings. I know stay-at-home moms where they knew that that is what they want to do. I totally respect that. That is what they feel called to do. That's not what I feel called to do. So it's just we're all so different. How can we get stuck in the comparison game? Yeah. And removing the judgment. That's the key there. Because if their goals are different than your goals, and this is for everyone listening, like Amy and I are both working moms on the call right now. And we have friends who stay home and we can all go out to dinner together. We can all you know, get together and we can have really great conversations. Even if the goal of that specific part of our life looks different, let's just remove that judgment, you guys. Okay. So another question that came in is, has your mom guilt changed going from one to two to three kids? Is it more intense because of how you have to spread your time and attention to more people? Or have you gotten to a better place because you've practiced? Oh, so much easier now that I have three kids, which is funny for me to say out loud because with one kid, it's like, you're just leaving one kid. But now that I've had practice, like we've talked Mm -hmm. about through this whole episode, and now that the kids have also gotten older, it's just so much easier now that there are three of them. It was also about mindsets with it. So like mindset shifts, I'm thinking about Lucy, tiny baby Lucy. I left her for the first time at I think 13 weeks for an overnight trip for work. I could leave for a work trip because I was providing for my family. So like rationally in my mind, I'm like, I'm providing for my family. I can leave for this trip. When it was for a date for Colin and I, I am supporting my marriage. I am feeding into my marriage. I can leave for this date. But when it came to friendships, that was the part that was really hard. I'm like, well, I'm just doing this for me, for me and my friend who doesn't even know Lucy. I probably should say no to this. And I said no so often to friendships going out to eat, any type of thing like that, unless Colin was there or unless it was for work when Lucy was really little. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I miss out on all those times? And I even think like the first time that I left for a weekend away with no Colin, just as a girl's trip, Lucy was four years old 
Micah was two. So although I had left hundreds of times for work overnight, I mean, every single week, at least three times a month for the entire duration of their life, I never left overnight for just a girl's trip until Lucy was four years old. Wow, that's really interesting. (laughs) We've talked about that on the podcast, though. Women tend to prioritize their family, their partnership, and then they think of friendship as optional. Yeah. And we've heard from several experts now, and we'll have another friendship episode coming on. It's like, that's actually not the case. That's not how you're going to be your healthiest. But a lot of us have been through it. I always love to remind people, even if you've put your friendships on a little bit of a pause, or you know you haven't served them in the way that you want to, you can get back on the horse. Get back out there. I just think there's such a place for female friendship and A lot of our friends understand they probably have gone through the same thing. If not, I also like the idea that I've made some of my best friends in my 30s. It's not too late to find people that are really in alignment with you and that you feel good with. And it's not like we have to be friends because we've been friends for 15 years. You're really choosing who you want to be friends with nowadays. So, For me, I think there were two parts to this question. Like my overall mom guilt has gotten so much better. I'm able to leave my children when I want to. I'm able to see my friends now. I'm able to take time to do the things that I want to do without feeling guilt. Do I feel more spread thin when there's three little guys? Yes. But I think that I've been so intentional because I'm in the middle of six children. I understand the dynamic of there being a lot of kids to give attention to. I've said it a million times. My parents made me feel so loved growing up that that was really inspirational because I'm like, okay, they have six kids and Mm -hmm. they make Mm -hmm. us all feel special and loved and cared for. And they answer the phone when you call and they come when you need them. So that's been really inspirational to me. I'm like, I have three. That's half. (laughs) Can I make each of these kids feel very loved? Yes. Is it a time punch card? Like, okay, I took an hour with Max. I'm going to take Trey over. No, it's not. Because what we know from the experts is it's that feeling of when you are in the room, do they have my attention? Am I checking out and just wanting to go in the other room or am I really focused on this child? So for me, I feel like I do a great job. I think it's one of my strengths is to make each of them feel special. And for me as a parent, that's really been realizing that they're three individuals. Yes, that's the key. Mm -hmm. So Max likes different things. Trey likes different things. Cole likes different things. We really try to lean into that and let them be different. And I think especially they're three boys. So it'd be so easy to clump them together. Be like, okay, everyone's doing baseball, but it's no, what do they want to do? How can I have special time with them? What are they asking for? That's one cool thing about older kids is my kids say what they want. So Trey says, I really want mommy cuddles. He says it four times a day. So it is hard to always (laughs) make it happen, but they say what they want. I would really like to go on a date with just you. I really need some time away from my brothers. We gave them that language because this is one of our values in parenting. 
and now they use the language mm-hmm. and they say what they want. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent, you do feel like I am doing right by them because they're asking for something. I'm giving it to them and we're all good. It's not that comparison of the time. I don't think it's really the investment in each one of them and making them feel like they are the only one for that 10 minutes or whatever it is. Whatever it is. And whatever the activity is too, the activities can all look different. And that is an easier part about them getting older than when they're little is that like if you're on that time punch card right now, if like, hey, I spent 10 minutes with one child, now here's my 10 minutes with the other. When they're little, they don't know what 10 minutes is. They don't know what 10 minutes is. They can't even express what they actually want at that point. So that has been just a huge, huge benefit of the kids getting older. I agree with that one. The reason that we wanted to record this episode is because I think a lot of people accept their mom guilt in a way that really holds them back from feeling like themselves, from feeling like part of this life that they are living is for them. We are the generation that grew up with the idea that the best moms are selfless. And now what we're saying is, no, that's actually not my goal. My goal is not to be a self. My goal is to demonstrate a healthy person, which to me, moms suffer from this. Yes, they do. Yes. For the most part, and this is studied, do not have this guilt part of their life. So to me, it's like, okay, what do I want to demonstrate to the next generation? I happen to have all boys. Do I want them to see that women deserve time to themselves? They deserve to work if they want to. They deserve to do what they want to do. And my boys aren't getting this mom that constantly demonstrates that she feels bad for it. And so this whole thing of, yes, you have to go to daycare, but mommy loves you. Mommy wishes she could be with you instead of working. Like I don't say anything like that. Mm Because I want them to know I'm confident that they are going to daycare. I'm confident that I am working. I'm confident that our family is a very loving, safe place to be. And I see that my kids are doing really well right now. So it's not something that I do feel guilty for. So I think we've got to demonstrate, okay, kids are smart. Whatever you feel, if you have a ton of guilt, they can feel that. And so if you are on a journey of working on it, today's episode is just meant to help give you a little nudge and say, you know, maybe this is something that I need to work on. 